0: Hi, I want to welcome you to the podcast. My name is Father Bill W. I'm an Episcopal priest living here in Austin, Texas. And uh, about, oh, let's see, about 26 years ago, I guess it was, got really interested in the history of AA, um, some of the practices that they were doing, things that came from the Oxford group, and some of them made it, or many of them made it into the program, but uh, a number of things did not. And so I've been studying those and teaching those and uh, That's really the main thing that this podcast uh, series is about. Hope you'll visit our uh, website. It's called Two-Way Prayer and uh, also follow us on Facebook. Uh, It's at Father Bill W. And um, let let us hear from you as well. We'd love to know uh, if these podcasts are helping you and uh, if the information about the Oxford Group and early AAs is of help to you in your program. This episode, we're focusing on step five. <clears throat> Excuse me. We admit it to God, to ourselves, and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. Uh, for many, it's probably the most difficult of all of the 12 steps. It, it isn't difficult to understand, but it is tough to do. Um, you know, they say uh, it doesn't cost anything to join a 12-step program. And this is where that becomes a lie. This is uh, this is where it costs us everything, and um, it's really an important step. Uh, many people try to avoid it, but I think they do so at their peril. I've met very few people who, um, when they relapsed, and I would talk to them about, about how they had approached the program prior to that, very few of them said that they really did an honest. Uh, fourth and fifth step. So this is really the critical turning point uh, in our program. So let's uh, let's kind of do the two-minute drill to understand how we got here, because I'm a firm believer that if you just start a step in midair, uh, it's not going to be too successful. But if you go back and <clears throat> understand how they flow into one another, uh, it makes it so much easier. So step one, was our admission of our own hopelessness. That whatever our addiction might be, it brought us to the point where we recognized we were so out of control, so desperate for help. And if we bring that desperation with us, step one has done what it needs to do for us. And it kind of pushes us then into step two. And that, I I think, what I learned from the Oxford Group people was It was presented in the form of an experiment. Uh, There's a a spiritual experiment we want you to try. You've not been successful. There may be a spiritual approach to this, that if you do it, you will succeed. So a real quick just understanding of there may be help available, but it's going to take a different approach. Step three was made a decision. Uh, Always done in the presence of another person where we committed our lives and our wills over to the care of God and sought the direction of God. Step four, we made a list of our defects of character. Uh, They used to call them sins, but uh, we try not to let that uh, scare us away too much. But it was moral. How are we doing morally? Not maybe so much according to the world's standards, but according to our own standards. Because that's where I think we we really get ourselves into trouble as addicts. We're doing things that are not acceptable to us, and that inner split really begins to tear us apart. I, I certainly know it did that uh, with me. Um, this brings us uh, to to step four, where we you know we're writing this down. Um, we're looking at our at ourselves. They did it. By looking at honesty, purity, unselfishness, and love, the four absolutes. And you're going to hear a lot about those from me. They were really important to Dr. Bob, uh, even towards the end of his life, even after the steps came into being. He said they were extremely important in in helping him make decisions, in helping him live his daily life. So now we're up to step five Um, admitted to God, to ourselves and to that other human being, uh, the exact nature of our wrongs. And each one of those is important, and I think it's significant that, uh, and maybe divinely inspired, that Bill broke it down that way, that it's not just admitting this to that other person. I know that's the one that always gets a lot of attention uh, in our 12-step programs. But admitting it to God, uh, standing there or sitting, whatever it might be, In God's presence and admitting this is where I am that's really critical so I always encourage people when you've done a fourth step uh, to sit by yourself in God's presence and and read it to him Um, see what that response is and then there's another uh, piece that we have to do here and that is to admit this to ourselves And so, another session uh, absorbing this, you know, the big book says, admitted to our innermost selves. Well, that's where we have to go that I've been living a lie, that my life has, in large part, uh, been a lie. And I now need to get honest honest with God, honest with myself. And then we come to that other human being. on you know, this series, we're trying to learn from the AA pioneers how did they approach this process? And there's lots of examples that you can find in Oxford group literature. Uh, they used to call it sharing, and it was a, uh, a key part of their program of of their, of their radical change of lifestyle. And it's what the honesty of the four standards was really all about. They didn't think they would be of any help to others if they were not willing to share their own deepest secrets when they were called to do so. You know, I think back when uh, when I was uh, uh, looking at AA kind of from the outside, uh, shall we say, um, what attracted me to the program and to the fellowship, it, it wasn't to come in for the coffee. You know, it, it wasn't to join... Uh, so I can smoke cigarettes with people for the rest of my life. Uh, it wasn't even to quit drinking. Um, I, I, you know, I, I, I wanted to probably come in and, and drink more successfully, like uh, like many. What really attracted me to the program was I met people who were being honest, and I had grown up a liar. Uh, and I and I what I got from these people was they had grown up to be liars too, but they came to a point in their life where that no longer worked, and they took the risk, and it was a big risk, wherein they began getting honest with themselves, with God, and with other people. Uh, Sam Shoemaker, uh, I I quote him a lot in this uh, series because he was tremendously influential with Bill Wilson uh, and with many of the Oxford Group and early AA people. Uh, Wilson said he got steps two through 11 straight from Sam Shoemaker. So Shoemaker's uh, an important link. And I uh, wanted to share a couple of things uh, about him. Uh, first was his meeting in uh, with Frank Bookman, with the founder of the Oxford Group. Um, Book, Bookman uh, was traveling in China, and that's where he first met up with uh, Sam Shoemaker. Shoemaker was an Episcopal priest, and uh, he was a missionary at that time, uh, working with Christians in um, in China. And and what was happening was he he had a group of men that he was working with, and he was not being very successful um, in quote converting them unquote. So Bookman comes to town and he meets him. And uh, Bookman at this point has a reputation for being really effective in working with people. So Shoemaker meets with him and and wants to know what is it that he's doing wrong. And uh, Bookman Bookman surprised him. And he said, well, you're probably a sinner, uh, Sam. Why don't you confess your sin and see what happens? So, so Shoemaker gets mad, storms off, goes to goes to his room and uh, and prays about it. And he finds that there are sins that he has not talked about. And what he did next was he went into that group of men that he had been working with, and he did what Bookman had asked him to do, instead of preaching to them, instead of trying to listen to their sins, getting them to talk about their sins, he talked about his. And that had an effect on the men who were in that group. Once he opened the door, once he made it safe for them, then one by one they were able to reach inside themselves and bring that out in the in the group that they were participating in i've done a lot of uh, group therapy over over my years and i've noticed something about myself i noticed that i'm always the second guy in the group to get honest now, what does that mean i think what it what it means for me, is, is when someone gets honest, it, it, it breaks through to me at a spiritual level that I can, I am facing my dishonesty. I am facing my mask. I am facing my, I got to look good in front of these guys attitude and say, no, I have to join in this truth. So, um, Uh, I hope you can uh, maybe relate to that in some way, that uh, honesty calls forth honesty. Uh, Really important when we get to this fifth step. Here's a quote from uh, Shoemaker, might be helpful. He wrote, the thing to do next is to face your sins. Where are you cutting corners? I found it necessary to go to someone I could trust, and make a clean breast of my sins. Many quite respectable people have hidden things in their past and their present that need to come out in confidence to someone. The only release and hope for many bound and imprisoned and defeated people lies in frank sharing. It is not only costly to share our problems or even our comfortable sins, but it is costly to share the worst thing we ever did, the deepest sin of our life, the besetting temptation that dogs us. This is not small potatoes, you know, when 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 we arrive at um, step four, I think we we have to ask that question: and am I gonna go deep? Am I gonna face the stuff that I know is in there, but that I swore I was gonna take to the grave? Uh, uh, I, I did this uh, my fifth step. It was um, almost forty six years ago. I was twenty seven. And I'd done done some things that I was deeply, deeply ashamed of. And I did not want to talk to them, uh, talk to anybody about them. Um, But I knew that if I did not uh, do this step the way honesty was demanding of me that I do it, I wasn't going to stay sober. Okay, sharing them with God. Okay, sharing them with myself. But then... Like all of us, it came to that sharing it with another human being. And um, the man I shared it with, I'm eternally grateful that, that he was the guy I chose and that he was there uh, for me in this process. Uh, he's, he's long passed away. His name was Floyd Lawton. Uh, he was my sponsor. You don't have to do this step with your sponsor, um, but it's helpful if you, if you can. Um, I think it's important that you do it with a wise person, with a closed mouth person. Um, and, and that you, uh, do it all with that one individual. Oxford group people were were clear on that. I I can't just drop a little bit here with one person, drop a little bit over there with another. It needed to be one individual who was going to see the whole of me and, uh, and, and, and have that experience. Uh, with that one other human being. So um, <clears throat> Floyd said a couple of things that uh, I have never forgotten over, over the many years. He said to me when we when we started out, it was a Saturday afternoon, and um, he said, you know, Bill, this step, step calls for the presence of another human being, and that's who I want to be for you. Everybody in the world couldn't make it today. So I'm sort of the representative of the human race. I'm sitting in for them, he said. Um, and he went on to say something else. He said, I can't forgive you. And This was important. He said, you've never offended me. I'm not here to forgive you. But what I am here to do is to accept you. And there's a world of difference between being forgiven and being accepted. He put me at ease because in Oxford group style, he shared with me some of his own sins. When I got to the stuff that was, uh, that was really take it to the grave stuff, he shared his own experiences that, that put me at ease, that said, I'm not the only one who, who's been in this place. Other people have been there. Other people have uh, come out and, and, and moved on. Um, and at the end of it, uh, and this was something uh, I will never, ever forget, he shook my hand <laughs> and he said to me, Bill, welcome to the human race. And he was right. Up until that point in my recovery, I had been separated from the human race. I was outside of it. And this brought me in. This was this, was this absolute necessary process. The only way that I could join humanity was by, was by admitting to another human being my deepest secrets and shames and faults. I want to share some some more things about this step uh, from someone who doesn't get uh, too much attention in AA. Her name is Ann Ripley-Smith. She's Dr. Bob's wife. And Ann kept a journal, things that she had learned while she was in the Oxford group. You know, she was in the Oxford group a couple of years before Bill even showed up in Akron. And and so was so was Dr. Bob, although up until that time he wasn't getting sober. He needed the parts that Bill brought uh, to the program, his program. So uh, she shared some of these things um, in her from her journal uh, with Bill Wilson. We know that from the time when he stayed with them in Akron for three months, and uh, many of them wound up. Uh, In the big book, Uh, Wilson called her the mother of AA. A beautiful, beautiful title, the mother of AA. Dick B, uh, the late Dick B um, from Hawaii, has a a great book. Uh, It's the only place I've been able to access uh, this information. It's called Ann Smith's Journal, 1933 through 1939. You can go to DickB.com. And uh, order a copy for yourself. It's good reading. I want to just give you some quotes from uh, from her journal, and um, and I want you to feel how step five is really coming into being for uh, for Wilson when when he's living under her influence. She writes, "The world is full of witnesses as to the dangers of not sharing." Psychiatrists, ill health, nervous breakdowns, bad theology, spiritual impotency, broken homes, and lonely lives. She wrote, we share to prove that no one's problem is unique. It is being honest, even after it hurts. Egoism or pride is one of the greatest of our enemies. Sharing under guidance with another roots it out. Boy, there's something almost sacramental when, when uh, I'm doing a fifth step with someone, when an individual is there and he's just really reached down in, inside and pulled his soul out to share. Well, you know, that pulls my soul out too. And I meet a brother, I meet a, a fellow sinner, uh, I meet another lost soul who uh, is kind of stepping back into life. It's a beautiful, beautiful experience. And says, don't be shocked at any confession. It is hypocritical for you yourself have at least thought of doing something similar. A man may share many problems, but not his deepest one. You must share deeply with him under guidance. You may be guided to share your deepest sin, and this will clear the way for him to share his. Each confession, she says, a fresh humiliation breaks down another barrier. You can get to the place where you have nothing left to defend that is release you can go naked to god you know there's a favorite passage i have in uh in the old testament in scripture it's that part in genesis where adam has uh sinned and um and uh and god's walk after he's sinned he's god's walking through the the garden and Adam is hiding in the bushes. Adam would usually come out and say, hey, God, how you doing? Uh, this time, phew, ducks into the bushes. And and Adam says, or God's looking for him, he says, you know, Adam, where are you? Where are you? Well, I'm in the bushes. I'm naked. I'm naked. And God says something, or at least the author of Genesis Puts these words into God's mouth, but they're so important. He says, Who told you you were naked? Who told you you were naked? Where did the idea of shame for being naked come into my garden, come into my creation? Who told you this? If you want to begin to understand human shame and human consciousness, it's right there in the beginning of the of the Bible. That's our story. We're all hiding in the damn bushes because we got things we ain't going to show anybody else. You know, the big book I think got this step right. I, I don't think there's a tremendous amount that we can learn from the Oxford Group people um, uh, in in terms of how they approached it. Um, perhaps the only thing we can learn. Is maybe a reminder uh, if you're doing a fifth step and if you are guided to do this, not that you have to every time, but if you are guided to do it, to share your own sins with that individual. I know if you're a counselor, you're trained, you don't go there, you don't do this. If you're a priest, you're, you're trained the same way. But if you're an alcoholic or an addict, I think the rules are different. I think we are in fellowship with one another. And I think if somebody tries to one-up the other spiritually, uh, it's really, really dangerous uh, territory. So <clears throat> don't put this step off. If you are new, I'd invi- advise you to get to it really as quickly as you can. That's the way they did it in the old days. And if you are an old-timer, you've been around for a while, uh, we can catch up uh, with our step ten. There's always more stuff uh, coming along, but I would say this: if if you missed something, if there was a secret that you intentionally left off of your of your fifth step uh, go and do it. Uh, it can make the the whole difference in your life and moving into other addictions and and things of that nature. It's really where we begin. To face ourselves. So um, I want to close with um, the big book, uh, some uh, selections from the big book on on how they're approaching this step and gives you the feel for what it is we're about uh, in this business. Book says, This step requires action on our part, which, when completed, will mean that we have admitted to God to ourselves, and to another human being, the exact nature of our defects. This is perhaps difficult, especially discussing our defects with another person. We think we have done well enough in admitting these things to ourselves. There is doubt about that. In actual practice, we usually find a solitary self-appraisal insufficient. Time after time, Newcomers have tried to keep to themselves certain facts about their lives. Almost invariably, they got drunk. They took inventory all right, but hung on to some of the worst items in stock. They only thought they had lost their egoism and fear. They only thought they had humbled themselves. We must be entirely honest with somebody if we expect to live long or happily in this world. Rightly and naturally, we think well before we choose the person or persons with whom to take this intimate and confidential step. We search our acquaintance for a close mouthed understanding friend. We pocket our pride and go to it, illuminating every twist of character every dark cranny of the past. Um, so, it's like I say, it's been my privilege to hear many, many fifth steps. Uh, I, I really love it. It's, um, it's an opportunity each time to uh, see where I'm at with my own honesty. It's a blessing I hope that you will receive in your own recovery, uh, that, that, that opportunity to release another man or woman from their prison. Uh, that's what the fellowship is, is really all about. So, uh, I hope you found something that you can, uh, put to use in your own program out of this podcast. Again, I invite you to visit us on, uh, 2 share that, uh, with other individuals. It's the part of the program, the Oxford group program that really got left behind and, uh, can open us up to, uh, a new and very intimate relationship with God. Also follow on Facebook, Father Bill W. So till next time, I'm going to encourage you in the memory of Ann Smith to keep it simple, keep coming back, and maybe next time we'll all show up a little bit more naked and less ashamed. God bless. Love y'all.